0: Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to treasurers about how they've built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. This week's show, delighted to be joined by Richard Luke, the treasurer at Spirit Energy. Now, Spirit Energy are one of Europe's top independent exploration production companies. As always, I'll get Richard to explain a bit more, but they're oil and gas within Europe. 40, we're coming off 46 million barrels of oil. We can explain it, or you can explain it, 33 fields, loads of different things, combination through Centrica and another business partner, Bayern Gas and stuff. I'll get Richard to explain that again. We had a bit of a chat before the show and we've exchanged some things. He sent me some notes the other day when he was uh, watching the football, which was great. Really nice that he's thinking about it this much, but I think it's fantastic. You get someone like Richard on the show. We're going to talk about the variety you've had in your uh, treasury career, Mr. Luke. So, But you know, as we do every week and we'll get to you know other things about treasury and stuff, let's start off by taking you back to the dim, distant past. We brush off your brain cells post-university although you did do a a banking finance degree so that was a good start and how you discovered the wonderful world of treasury so sir over to you
1: well firstly thanks mike for inviting me on the podcast this is something new for me (laughs) casting my mind back yes so i did do a banking and finance degree at loughborough and that gave me the opportunity within the degree for a year out a placement year Mm -hmm. and i think i'd recommend that to a lot of students really helped me refine my thoughts about where I wanted to go into into finance. A lot of the people on the on the degree wanted to do investment banking. I think I was the same as that at the time. That's where the money was in London. Ah, come on, yeah. <laughs> so, so I looked at treasury. So there was a year out opportunity at Tarmac in Wolverhampton in the treasury department. And that was my first kind of you know, experience and knowledge about treasury. I mean, even though I did a banking and finance degree, treasury wasn't mentioned, corporate treasury wasn't mentioned. Right. So that was my first foray. And that was ideal. The year out gave me great experience. It was... Ideal. They even paid as well, which yeah. helped me in my, my final <laughs> year at university. So that was great. And I went straight into it, you know, into the treasury dealing, treasury analyst role, got involved in FX, cash management, interest rates, and even kind of learned about the, the um, treasury qualifications. Right. So I didn't have accounting qualifications as such, but treasury really interested me, the practicalities of treasury just for the again for the listeners
0: you say tarmac and it was a placement but what did tarmac do as a company so tarmac as in the
1: roads i guess and initially they invented tarmac and they were a heavy building materials company they were a footsie 250 at the time okay and what happened with those guys is that as soon as i graduated i was very fortunate that they were in the process of demerging so when you demerge naturally you need two treasury teams and yeah Carillion was part of the demerger. So that demerged and Tarmac was left at the end of it. And literally the week that I graduated, Mike, I got a call from the treasurer of the new treasurer of uh, Tarmac saying, you know, we've demerged. We're looking for a treasury analyst. Do you fancy his job? And yeah. that was, again, very fortunate for me and uh, set me on the road to, to treasury. And when you went in then that that new
0: role of a newish spun out company was it one of those where you were allowed to have separate new new systems or did you inherit the old ones or what was the sort of you got in
1: there fresh faced as as much as you could do post uni you know what was yeah. it? Like? It was pretty basic stuff, Mike, at that stage. It was 25 years ago, whatever, I guess, (laughs) when I started. So at that that stage, it was spreadsheet-based. Lots of the stuff was pretty manual, didn't have a TMS, from what I can recall in my memory. So it was, yes, spreadsheets, a lot of analysis, kind of essentially putting me at the forefront. So I was dealing with the bank straight away from day one, which, again, was a kind of a function of the fact I'd had a year out. They knew me, they trusted me, I could get on with stuff without being kind of overseen to a large extent. So, yeah, yeah it, that, it, that was that. And it didn't in eventually, unfortunately, the theme of my career, Mike, and I think a lot of treasury careers is that treasury is the first thing to disappear when the company gets taken over. Yeah. So there's a lot of demergers and, and mergers and, and treasury is, you know, the new company wants to take over the cash, wants to take over the debt and the risk management. They That's kind of at the forefront of their mind when they're coming in. Yeah. And so following the demerger... There was a merger, so six months <laughs> down the line or a year down the line, it might have been. Tarmac was small enough to be kind of snapped up by someone else. So I, at that stage, realised there was limited future because of what I said, Treasury's first to go yeah. at Tarmac, and I'd looked elsewhere. And that's where I found my, the role at Vodafone. So I moved from the Midlands down to down south on my own and yeah, moved to the, the first role in cash management of Vodafone. So that was a, a great career move for myself. You know, I got exposed... Ultimately, over the five or six years I was there to all the elements, all the sub-teams at Vodafone. I mean, because they were a big team even then, it was a big company even then. Yeah. They bought management just, I think, the week before I started. They have sub-teams. I don't know if that's the case at the moment, but they have a cash management team. They have a subsidiary financing intercompany team, and they have a capital markets team. And I... Was really fortunate to move across the team, so I got straight away variety in in my career for those five years. You know, I had the variety of the cash management and sitting on the front office desk, managing the cash, managing the FX. Then I moved to intercompany. I had the exposure to that, and then I moved to capital markets, which again was a completely different area that I hadn't been exposed to before. And you know, again, broadened my horizons, gave me variety, which I've been fortunate to have it's all right, through right. my career. And, and you made that
0: move from a FTSE 250, and again, we'd, you know, Richard is gave me some great briefing notes, and, you know, so for future guests, please feel free to give me briefing notes, because it's really good, and mean, means I'm going to dig into detail quite quickly. <laughs> but you'd gone from Tarmac, FTSE 250, to Vodafone, I think at that they were, what? footsie five you know yeah they were they were probably the largest company in the world at that stage yeah it was mental we used to deal with them and stuff like that but and so you did that and then you made a couple of moves and you know keen to sort of explore those because what's the word? so you had a mix of different industries so you had building materials through telco and then energy and stuff give us a quick sort of whistle
1: stop of some of the other moves you made the benefit of treasury, I think, is that you it can apply to different sectors. It's not mm. so industry specific, so you can get experience in different sectors. And like you say, I've telcos, pharmaceuticals for a long time. I've come onto that. Some of the heavy industries, heavy building materials, mm. and, and now energy sector. And it doesn't really matter to an extent. There are specifics in some of these industries. You yeah. know, specific financing arrangements you can get where I'm now, and in different industries, but. Generally, you know, as long as you understand the supply chain of the company, you are, you could kind of, you, you can adapt you get as it. you go. Yeah. So, yeah, so I went from Telco to British Pastor Board in Slough. Unfortunately, with the theme of my career, they got taken <laughs> over by a, a, a French company. So that was very short lived, but it was a great team. I went from obviously Vodafone, which is kind of a set of sub teams, to yeah. British plasterboard, which was, there was three of us at the time. There you go, Treasury. This is you. You're now responsible for the whole thing, or not me directly, but within the team, we were responsible for the whole thing. And plasterboard was completely different. You know, I got, I mean, commodities. We didn't necessarily have commodity trading at Vodafone, but I learned that to make plasterboard, you need to crush gypsum. Yeah. And to crush crush gypsum, you need a lot of gas. Hmm. Gas was one of the commodities they were exposed to, and so yeah. they did gas hedging. And so I got took a bit of an interest in that, and. Also, when we were taken over by the the French company, there was the implication that we had to unwind a lot of the things we've done over the, or the company had done over the last 10 years or so. And that's a new, another kind of variation in my career that I've been in companies that buy companies and I've been in companies that are being sold. Yeah. Now where we're being sold, it was a bit demotivational when you've kind of built up a interest rate swap portfolio like six months before, and then you're told, okay, you Unwindable. don't want that anymore. You're gonna. Luckily, it was in the money, but obviously that was just fortunate. But I had to unwind the whole thing that I put in place when when I got in, into the company when I started that company. So that was a bit of a shame, but I'd done another learning. You know, you learn how to unwind swaps when you mm. when previously you'd only put, learn to put swaps on. You know, it's all, all different stuff. So moving from there, BG. I was there for. I had to find another job for a while, so I did a temporary yeah. role at BG, which was great. Again, exposure to back office functions. So I hadn't really been involved in back office until that point. What was it like running the back office there, sort of, you know, a lot of people go, oh, back office, oh, not so sure, and controls, oh. Yeah, well, it, it is a lot more control-driven, naturally, and I'd had controls previously, but, yeah, it was a lot more in the banking system mm-hmm. setup. you know, linking the systems to the, the internet portals, the banking portals, and so on, and making sure there was no errors, error checking, a bit more diligence, and so on, on the, on the audit side, so that was... and and, yeah something different again i don't think it obviously naturally wasn't my career going forward but it was another interesting area that i think fitted well and probably benefited going forward where i ended up that had that kind of diligence in the background that i needed at at that role Mm. and then you so you'd had building materials telco a bit of
0: energy and then farmer farmer yeah so that's it so (gasps) how did that contrast you know with you've got as you say, you just talked there about some of the commodities which drives a business. And again, people listening, some of them will be working for a building services company, and then you're suddenly
1: farmers, you know, totally different in Treasury or similar or just different drivers? Different drivers, absolutely. And I guess Shire was an individual company at the time in that yeah. I mean, it was big to start with. I was fortunate to get the, the the role there. It was big to start with and just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger by acquisitions, which were essentially used the leverage of their cash flow from a product they bought years and years beforehand. And they leveraged on that and that and essentially bought a company every two years on average, I think. And they were yeah. not small companies. It was billion dollar companies every time. And the two companies they bought, or one company every two years, you know, wasn't the only company they were looking at. They were looking at five or six to get to that one that ultimately paid dividend, and 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 they they followed through with. So it was constantly active on the acquisition trail, and acquisition a quite good fun for treasury. I think mm. everyone probably knows in the treasury world, in that you get involved in you know probably the merger agreement up front, then the financing, the bridge financing potentially, then the taking out the bridge financing, the hedging, the interest rate stuff, the FX exposures. So it's completely all-encompassing the, the an acquisition itself. Um, and even uh, following, following the acquisition, there's the natural merger of their teams into your team and systems mm. into your team and processes into your team. So it's you know, a full and all-encompassing uh, time. And we, I, I spent at Shire and, uh, yeah, very valuable and, uh, again, major uh, focus on financing ultimately and various projects. I mean, mm. ultimately, my, my role was head of treasury funding and projects. And the projects word was just... Because I couldn't think, or myself and my boss I couldn't think of a better name. Really, it was just. it <laughs> Seems to, yeah. It was, we, we thought of that probably. It was like yeah. <laughs> funding and other stuff. But not yeah. quite right, but no, it right. was. It was anything that could be captured by treasury essentially. So yeah. it's stuff like share buybacks we did, the acquisition funding we did. You know, credit card tenders, cash management tenders. Within all of those, and you know, particularly say the external
0: financing and funding and things like that. What's your sort of checklist I know you'll work this out with the treasurer and everything else you look at someone else or you know is there a specific routine you tend to follow and say right these are the things we're going to get right let's get the cash right and you know as you say you were obviously acquiring some of the companies so that would be driven by the acquisition but what I'm saying is from your position did you have right today we've got to focus on this this you know next week we're going to focus on this next month we're going to do this or how did you approach that from for your
1: level of role again this is for you know advice for people out there in the world it was difficult to plan to be honest right. because there was so many things in the pot at the same time and you weren't controlling the timeline right. uh, you know the bd team were controlling the timeline so you just need to try and get a hold of the timeline and get a plan so I, I, a lot of my role was planning kind of you know uh, building up a project plan allocating time and people and you know other teams to it and then you know, every week I'd throw away the plan and say, okay, I need to change the plan mm. <laughs> to this and tr- this is what we need to focus on. So it was, yeah, it was really really varied and, yeah, really stretched the kind of, you know, the mental and and, and the kind of, I guess the thought processes and, and to make sure that you didn't drop the ball anywhere because that would be mm. the worst scenario. But, yeah, we I mean, never dropped a ball and everything went through fine and ultimately we made a $32 billion acquisition and financed that with the you know, the biggest bond issued by UK corporate at the time, a $12 billion bond, which we won prize. We won the deal of the year, at the ACT, and mm. my team got commended as well in the Corporate Finance Award. So that's where we ultimately ended up. I guess the lesson that I learned through that was you need to be pragmatic and just adapt, I think, mm. uh, is, is the main thing, and just be on your toes at all times, I think, is what I would say. And when you say be, what do you mean by that? Sort of say being pragmatic. And again,
0: you know, how, how do you define that in your role as assistant treasurer? Is it just that you come in one day and you might be throwing a curveball and everything else and not, not getting worried about it? Or is it just, it is what it is. We might get bought tomorrow, so you just got to deal with it.
1: It, yeah. It, so I think you learn. I think it's right. a learning process that you get, that how you adapt and how you deal with third parties interrupting the process. You know, it's going to be banks or it's going to be lawyers. Primarily, they've got different objectives to your objectives. You just hmm. need to try and meet somewhere in the middle. And if they throw a quick curveball, you just need to be ready and kind of think about different options. What can we do in this scenario? What are the options? And, and work out, you know, how you can position yourself or the company in the best way That we can be, you know, adapt to this situation Mm. because you're not in control. It is out of your control, but you can prepare and put yourself. As, as in your career you can you can't really control your uh, career to a large extent but you can put yourself in the best position you can get you can study and get the qualifications you can give yourself look at people and, and, and take traits from people that you that you think are really strong and kind yeah. of adapt to just yourself but in the end there is a lot of fortune involved all you can do is it's the best i think for, for yourself and the company I mean, you very fortunate. Mentioned study. Actually. I was going to, I was going to dive into that actually
0: with you more to do with also the the your treasury team around you. You're very pro study, I know, because you know what's driving that for yourself, and also we then very much sort of encouraging other people to do it in the team. And and if so, why do you think that's such an important thing?
1: So. A study I'd capture with the ACT exams, which I think have been really practical, really useful for my career. And that's just the base, isn't it? The fundamentals is a study which gives you the opportunity to learn and to develop secondary to the study. So I definitely recommend the ACT exams and the MCT, FCT, whatever they're called now. (laughs) I definitely recommend going through that process as just as interest, I mean, if nothing else. And it does give you kind of an understanding of, the financial markets how the world works i think and if you don't agree with it you can adapt your, your view as well um, as necessary some yeah, of I mean, the things you can challenge in the in the mct and, and i remember doing that a number of times and that that's the benefit of i, of it, I think the treasury exams i think are really valuable yeah i mean, won't we'll
0: say exactly who it is because on the story will explain why but I know that one of my friends' clients who I've placed and everything else, he got his MCT, he got a prize winner actually the past few years, and so did really well and everything else. And he, he I know that he, dedicated a lot of his time to actually doing it even though he's got young family and did all this got through it did it put it and he said on the sort of the monday or whatever he said he'd finish and he put everything up on the shelf and he was starting the role that i placed him in on the thursday and he thought oh that's good you know put those and gather a bit of dust for a, a couple of years that, that's you know really got the squared away and then on the Friday, the, the new company I'd placed him with, they had to issue a profits warning. And he literally just went back into his study and got the book back off He went, right, what do we do now? And, you know, not that he couldn't do it, but it was more, right, what are the things I need to look out for? What's the checklist sort of thing? And what might I have forgotten about this ratio? And da, da, da. And he was like, oh, I didn't realise I was going to you know start doing it like within five days. all all right, we still drink together, so we're still friends. But did you find it sort of prepared you in you know for some of the curveballs as well?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think so. I mean, it was a long time ago. I, like yeah. I said, I started way back, and when I was at Tarmac, so I think yeah. I passed it in the early 2000s. So it was a right. long time ago. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it does trigger things in your mind, and even I don't know the, the website and stuff, the treasurer's website, just. Some of those things on there do help you trigger trigger thoughts in your mind and mm. link things together. So, yeah, that, I think that that's a really good resource there.
0: You were at Shire. Again, so Shire Pharmaceuticals, to that or a couple of years ago. Then perhaps just, again, for the listeners, I explained a bit at the top of the show, but where you are now and a bit more about,
1: you know, your current role and the differences there. Shire was one of the companies. that. Well, I think the day one when I started at Shire, I mean, God, well, 15 years ago, whenever it was, there was rumours they were going to be acquired, Mike. I was like, oh my God, I'm <laughs> rocking a hot, you know, what in, done? Fr- fry pan, what is it, frying pan into the fire and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, you know, it, we weren't taken over on day one. We were taken over in year 13. So somehow or other, it took 13 years for, for the company to be, to be taken over, but they were oh. taken over by a, a Japanese company a couple of years ago. Yeah, and within that kind of, it became clear that probably just before that, that the treasury team, they wanted to move to Ireland, and yeah, you know, I, I wasn't really up for moving to Ireland with a young family, so I, no. I said thank you very much. I've done my time. I'll, I'll leave you to it, and 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 left Shire. Then to look elsewhere. That stage, the natural progression for me was, yeah, head of treasury, group treasurer role, and this this role that Spirit came up when I was at Shire, but yeah, so I applied for the role there and it's it was just uh, like you've mentioned, it's essentially um, a merger of Centrica's EMP business with Bay and Gas's company, and that was in 2017. And we, we kind of merged those two companies and, and the, the thinking at the time when I got the role was potentially IPO, yep. potentially sale, we didn't know what was gonna happen. So I was brought in, I think with the, with the view to get involved in the financing of the IPO. That kind of fell away a bit with gas prices. Um, um, <laughs> gas prices fell considerably, yeah. and oil prices oh, fell considerably. And yeah, I guess the, 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 the thought of selling a company, or I'm sorry, IPOing the company, I guess wasn't wasn't a good, good, good idea at that point in time. So Centrica and the other shareholders held off, and they've held off for the last couple of years while I've been there. That's given me the opportunity, rather than the financing, to move on to other things. To build the team, to build Mm. the people, processes, and systems, looking after the FX, cash management, everything in treasury. And over the last couple of years, was probably not quite two years, but more or less two years, we've implemented a treasury system. We've really streamlined the processes. We've got a a, a proper qualified team in place, really good people, really strong team, really happy with that. Again, very fortunate somewhere along the line, but we've implemented a TMS, which has meant we can cope with the fact that we are fewer people doing more stuff.
0: And What's that been like, sort of bringing in throughout the weirdest year of our yeah. lives, really? So what, we started,
1: <laughs> we started in January, more or less, implementing. implementing Great timing, the TMS. brilliant. Let's Great hit. time, yeah. yeah. I like yeah. anticipated all this, yeah. obviously. Of course, we did. We all did. And so, in whenever it was, we would just started, and essentially, we hadn't really got to uh, to, to to grips with the treasury right. system until lockdown, really. And I thought, oh no, is this going to work? This implementing a treasury mm. system from scratch during lockdown, but. In the end, it has. I mean, there's benefits to the fact that we are all at home. You don't necessarily need face-to-face interaction when you're implementing a TMS, as long as you've got teams. I mean, that's been a, a godsend you know, for us to, to get it working, but didn't need face-to-face, literally like, people-to-people interaction. Mm-hmm. No time wasting getting to the office. It saved me a couple of hours every day. You know, we can share screens easily, share some of the things it does easily, and some of the teachings from the, the provider via teams have worked quite well I think. So we've managed to do it. We've we've started in like I say February, March, and now we are using fully this automated treasury system that automate automates our FX deals. It means we're more robust. We've got controls that we didn't have before, less spreadsheets that we had before, you know, it's very spreadsheet, but going back to my time at Tarmac, it was mm-hmm. very similar to that. Very spreadsheet centric and in my eyes very risky. to base your whole treasury accounting and dealing on spreadsheets is not the way to go so that was the first thing i recommended when i came in that we get a tms so quickly got the budget quickly got the tender in place and decided on the provider and we're now up and running and it's working very well and giving us a bit of breathing space that we didn't we wouldn't otherwise have had so it it's great.
0: And what's that been like, literally team-wise? You know, how have you... We were, I was on an ACT panel recently, and someone said, you know, how had I seen it change? And one person had mentioned before, which I didn't... I don't think it was actually as valid as they said. They were like, well, everybody's Zoom window or Microsoft Teams window is exactly the same size, so they have as much face time with the treasurer as their deputy treasurer. Well, that's not actually the case, because, you know, you're not having the same conversations. They're different conversations, because... You got different levels of experience and different questions to ask. So I said, actually, it's less of that. I think there is a bit greater openness and lots more communication, which is great. But one of the other things is more junior staff. They're looking for advice and they're looking right. There's no one there. Looking left, there's no one there because they're working from home. How have you handled that? Or you know, how have you focused on the sort of the people management aspect versus process or the technically stronger? You know, how have you sort of you know focused on that yourself as the treasurer?
1: Yeah, I think the team need to be comfortable. They can get access to you at all times, I think, one way or the other. And the, you know, the chat on Teams has been quite good. Richard, can you give me a call or I need to speak to you You know, straight away? I can hmm. recognise I need to have a chat, so... That works well. I think it's good to have, we have a team catch up every week with my team and then a broader one with a corporate finance team, which I think keeps you sane that you're not just sitting in front of the front computer all day, every day on your own. You've got some other people are in, well, some other people are in the same predicament, I guess, is what you learn. So it does keep you sane, having that regular interaction. You need to get out as well, I think is recommended to go outside. I don't know what it's going to be like with the weather through the winter, but yeah, you need a kind of a refresher. You can't be sitting at your desk all day Mm. on Mm. zoom meet or uh, team meetings and stuff you need to have a break and get some humor human interaction i think but yeah i I I think teams work quite well i mean i'm used to working from home anyway i've done it a lot in in my recent past and you know doing five days a week wasn't a big stretch for me some of the team has found it a bit more difficult Mm. but i mean generally the consensus i think is that it For Treasury, it works quite well. I mean, I I can't really imagine nowadays why you would need a Treasury in the centre of London and ask, you know, require people to come in every day or even hardly at all. You know, I think there is a big benefit for Treasury teams moving out of London Mm. I mean, at Shire, we were in Basingstoke. I mean, we got some great people in Basingstoke, a really strong team. I think that was a function of the fact we weren't in the centre of London. We didn't have to keep moving people around. People weren't leaving and then new people arriving. We had a steady, really strong people, the best treasury people that were in the local area. And I think that should be a thing that treasury teams should think of. More flexibility in the location, cheaper. It's cheaper out here, Mike. Yeah. Well, just, uh, just going to so going back into the people aspect.
0: There, did you find there was less, also less competition? You talked to there about maybe less competition to take people away. If if you're in London, you know, there's five other treasuries looking for someone a similar. Exactly. To trying to, put yeah. it, but but in Basingstoke, there's not.
1: Is that right? That's that's pretty much it. Yeah, we got stability for that reason. And if you, I suppose we were in the fortunate position. We were a large. Corporate, growing corporate with a really varied treasury team, and I think a lot of people were interested in working at Shire. So we probably got the best of that you can get in the, you know, in the Hampshire and Berkshire area potentially. So. I guess it may be not, not the same for a smaller Treasury, but still, there are a lot of skilled people on the M4 corridor or south yeah. and stuff that don't necessarily want to commute into London that work well for us. And yeah, I know it's closer to the banks, I guess, is the argument, but the banks, are, a lot of them are working from home as well now, so oh, yeah, no, I don't. you're not going to meet them. So, yeah, I think yeah. it's something for, I think, Treasuries to think about. And just not the sort of banking aspect,
0: but more looking at perhaps the future then and, and the future development from there, how do you see it developing? You know, we're talking, you know, maybe treasury systems or the different things. Again, I sometimes talk to the CFOs are sort of pushing the, not the treasure under the bus, but more the treasure out in front of things to sort of say, look, can you look at this blockchain thing? Can you look at this different idea? What are the things that you're seeing that, you know, treasuries are having to deal with? Maybe that you didn't before, but this is the advice of people listening. Guys, listen to this. Don't do this. Or listen to this. This is something we're thinking about. You know, what are you thinking?
1: Well, recent, I guess the a couple of recent things that i've been thinking about mm. is well negative interest rates i think is right. yes has come to the fore in our in our world where we have surplus cash to deposit i mean you know we i don't think shareholders or directors really want to to be sitting on cash that's getting rid of their shareholder returns and kind of you know mm. making their balance sheets uh, reducing that you know it's it's not efficient to sit on cash anymore borrowing is going to be cheap so what are people going to do are they going to spend the money on capex are they comfortable enough to get rid of the cash, their security blanket that they had before, even though it's kind of costly to, do, to to hold cash? There's a bit of a thinking around that, I think. And the other thing, from I guess, from a specific to Spirit Energy, so carbon trading, mm. uh, carbon credits.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, with the you know environmental changes and so on in the world at the moment, I think if you want to be carbon neutral you might have to pay for it you know if, if carbon credits are going to take off the market for that for them is going to take off you might need to work out your situation in regards to hedging yourself that's another thing that we're is coming to the fore i think in our thinking at spirit
0: and just don't know if this is the right question but where is that stuff coming from? What, what I mean by that is, you know, carbon credits is coming at you as you say. You've had you brought in the treasury management system. Is, do you think it's just the evolution of treasury and that it's becoming more, you know, closer to finance, or is it just much more that this is, you know, the next evolution of treasury sort of thing? And you know, yeah,
1: you're, yeah, you're probably right. Is that evolution? Well, we're we're a risk management, yeah, obviously, resource treasury, and it's anticipating what the risks are going to be, and then you have to look at the world. Around you and see where it's going, and, and that's, I think, what you need to do constantly. Look at where the risks of your company are, and whether you're in the right place or not. You know whether you should could manage them, whether it's costly to management manage them, whether the senior directors are you know comfortable with taking the risk, the board are comfortable with taking the risk. So. Yeah, you do need to have a handle on, you're never going to ant- anticipate everything, are you? I suspect we, we wouldn't a- anticipate a global pandemic, would we? So, you know, hopefully <laughs> there's nothing like that. But, you know, there is, you know, you can't anticipate everything. You just need to kind of take a educated guess, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've talked about it before and there was this sort of ship analogy. You know, the key thing I saw that treasurers were doing a lot of the time was, you know, having the telescope, having the binoculars, looking to the future. Whilst, you know, the captain might be the CFO just sailing the ship and just making sure it just keeps going. But this, oh, by the way, hey boss this is what's coming down the line sort of thing and you know these are the things but exactly as you say there's going to be unexpected things but it's a way of you know treasury proving its value as well as much as anything, being being that active risk managers as well sort of thing
1: yeah for ourselves i guess as a oil and gas company you know you need to work out what's what gas prices and oil prices are going to do and whether that's going to have a impact i mean we've got we're just focusing spirit energy on on northern northern europe you know we're mm. oper, operating and operated assets in UK, Norway, the Netherlands and Denmark, essentially that those 33 producing fields you mentioned. So we are kind of dependent on the oil prices and gas prices and the production that can be maintained from these licenses we have in, the, in these territories. That That is essentially our remit as a company that's your driver and
0: things and just going you know not coming back but just looking at team wise you said you slimmed down and stuff like that but you've managed a number of different teams of people and i know you and i have spoken about different things you know we'll go into your you know career advice and you know wrap up in a minute about you know we'll put your linkedin details in the show notes but before we do that i was just going to ask you when you're managing coaching teams and things like that again for the listeners what's your sort of not your checklist, but what do you try and do? You know, obviously there's, you know, you talked about it, propensity to study. You'd studied, you say to guys, it sounds like guys get some study under your belt. That's a really good thing to do. Or what are the other things when you're managing coaching teams that you try and instill in them? Again, for the listeners, this, you know, people are trying to take advice from this and they'll, you know, you used to have a commute to work. They don't have a commute to work anymore, but hopefully people are still listening. We've still got good numbers. What are you telling people to do? What's your coaching methodology for that?
1: So I'm personally not a great one for a specific mentor, but I think there is some value in recognizing traits of people you respect and drawing them on them. I think that's quite important. So it might be four or five different people recognizing the valuable traits and applying them to yourself. I think that's that's something to consider and also make sure you're fortunate. (laughs) <laughs> so essentially, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you do that exactly, but you, you know, you, you you do need to kind of get your position yourself correctly. But in the end, there's a lot of fortune in in the game being in the right place at the right time. And I think when I recruit, it's getting people who are on the same wavelength as you. You know, you right. can have a variety of different people with different perspectives, different skills, different backgrounds, completely. But you need to have some way to communicate with them and some kind of wavelength that you can both recognize that's i think the main thing and i think that is undervalued when people recruit i think a lot of companies look at you know testing you know a, a psychometric test and yeah, yeah. doing the days and whatever they do you know monitoring people over a day and how they react in different situations that, that's all great but in the end you want someone who's smart who knows what they're doing qualified and can communicate and that's the wavelength thing. If you get someone the same wavelength, it's so much more valuable for the short term, medium and long term than any of the other things you can recognize the in a, a psychometric test. Yeah. That's, that's probably what I would say.
0: Would that be your wrap-up advice today? Anything else? I mean, you, we talked about studying. As I say, we're in the show notes. We'll put your LinkedIn profile so people can connect to you. If, and again, you can reject them if they're not in treasury and you don't want them. that's fine. But if you know if you do, another thing is that. But what sort of wrap-up notes would you give to people listening today? Because you
1: know, it'd be great to sort of rattle through a lot of that. But what are you what are you telling people? Well, I think people who listen to this probably know that Treasury isn't boring. Yeah, There's a lot of variety available in Treasury, you know, different size of team, size of companies, industries, you, levels of seniority. Things change, companies merge and demerge, and you take the opportunities when, when you can take them, I think, is probably what I'd say.
0: Brilliant advice. Well, Mr. Luke, amazing to have you on the show today. I know we'd Thanks have again, big... Mike. Well, pleasure, sir, and yeah, you know, look forward to well once we are out of this crazy pandemic maybe doing the odd beer or coffee you know not in the same glass obviously but no it'd be great to see you and you know i think a lot of people get a lot of value from today's episode and you know it's, it's all about those snippets as well so thank you very much for your time sir
1: been fun cheers mike thank you sir